Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Oh, oh. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. One more clayless day. He'll be back on Monday. He is, I think, still on the cruise with his family. I'm sure we'll have many stories next week. So I'm Jason Martin, his executive producer at JMart Outkick, joined by eight-year NFL offensive line veteran Jeff Schwartz. He's in Charlotte at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz. If you'd like to follow him on Twitter, Danny G, Justin Cooper out in L.A., spinning the Dolls radio style for us today. So there's the NBA's back in session. Cavaliers lost last night in a pretty good game against Washington. In a game that if you look at the stats for the Wizards, it's a game you would have expected Washington to lose, probably. And LeBron gave you 32. It was just one of those nights. And there's still plenty of those left to come. I don't think that it really says too much about one team or the other. Beal had a decent night. It was not anything stellar, I would say, compared to what he has been able to do. I mean, that's an all-star caliber player that you would expect that from. But there are two other stories surrounding the NBA, and there's also some news surrounding the NCAA as Yahoo's Pete Thamel and Pat Forty combined on a piece that came out right in the middle of the night here, just in the last few hours that we will touch on a little bit later as the college basketball situation gets more and more complicated with these FBI investigations and payments and all sorts of things like that. So we'll break that down uh, a little while later. But during All-Star Weekend, Adam Silver was asked about the playoff format in the NBA. And that's just one thing that he's talked about this week. He talked about that. And there are serious proposals out there right now for a play-in type system 
for the lower seeds before you get into the playoffs in the NBA. Now, this thing's about 45 years away, probably from happening, somewhere around 2021, 2022. Zach Lowe wrote the piece for ESPN, and it's very in detail. And we may talk about that, but I think we should talk about the playoff format thing a a little bit here. Because, and by the way, we're going to have Dan Orlovsky uh, next hour to break down the NFL draft, talk a little bit of combine. That's going to be a lot of fun. If you have not heard Dan Orlovsky as an analyst, you're in for an absolute treat. Dan Orlovsky, I, I heard him actually in uh, in Nashville, just doing a radio hit here in Nashville a couple of months back, and I did not know what to make of it. I was just like, wow, Dan Orlovsky's on the radio. And then at the end of that 20-minute interview, I said, man, I want to book that guy. Like, I want that guy regularly. Like he's just one of those dudes that he's going to be around, and he is making a name for himself. So we're going to have him here, and I hope it'll be the first of many times that we have Mr. Orlovsky on. And then in hour three, our guy Brandon Wright, who is the newest member of the Houston Rockets, a team that you certainly care about if you're watching the NBA right now, he will join us. We can talk a little bit of All Star with him, but we can also start to talk about the stretch run and what he sees, and also his thoughts on Adam Silver here on this playoff format and this play-in tournament. And all of these kinds of things. But what Adam Silver said in his press conference over All-Star Weekend was, quote, when we get to the playoffs, should we be taking either the best 16 teams or even if we go 8 from the West, 8 from the East, seeding 1 through 16 going into the playoffs? That is something that has gotten serious attention, not just recently, but over the last few years at the league office. I think, as I've said in the past, the obstacle is travel, and it's not tradition in my mind at least. It's that as we've added an extra week to the regular season, as we've tried to reduce the number of back-to-backs, we are concerned about teams crisscrossing the country in the first round, for example. We are just concerned about the overall travel we would have in the top 16. But he likes the idea of a format where the two best teams ultimately meet in the finals. If you get one in the East and one in the West, that's kind of the best case. But there are often times when you'll see the top two teams in the league's coming from one conference. Like this year, I think most people would suggest it's probably, with all due respect to the Cavaliers, the Warriors and the Rockets, who obviously can't meet in the NBA Finals. So that's something to say. And LeBron has actually responded to this over the past few days, and he made a lot of sense. Jeff, he said basically six of the last 14 champions have come from the East. So it's sort of maybe overstepping or looking at a problem that doesn't really exist because the NBA does work in dynastic fashion. You have seen dominant players on both sides, on the East and the West. Obviously, the Bulls had their run, and then you saw the Lakers have a little bit of a run. The Celtics then kind of got into the mix. Well, the Celtics back in the 80s, but the newer-look Celtics, and you had the Pistons win a couple of championships within there, San Antonio, and now Golden State is having their run. Do you react to a run by completely overhauling your playoff system just to ensure that you get the top two teams playing in the finals. What are your thoughts? Well, the NBA has always been dynasties. It's, it's not It's not very yeah. random. I mean, the same teams seem to be in the finals. The same teams seem to win. I don't get changing the playoff format. If you look right now at the at the 16 teams that are in, the eight in the East and in the eight in the West, there's, there'd only be one team if you reseed the top 16, the Clippers, that would get in that are not currently in right now. So you're going to change the entire playoff format for maybe one or two teams to get in, um, which seems an overcompensation. Plus, if you you know you mentioned the start of this, the the a play in game. 
half the NBA makes the playoffs already. Over half. Why would you? Why do more teams need to make the playoffs? I never understood this. I, you know, look, I get the wild card thing in baseball to add that one game. I think it's much easier to add one game in baseball than one game in basketball. Um, I, I just, I, I just. I don't understand the need to always to always change things. I think the NBA is fine. It's okay if if the Rockets and Warriors play in the in the in the Western Conference Final instead mm-hmm. of the NBA Final. What, what's the difference? They're still going to play a seven game series at some point in the playoffs, and then the winner of that will then play the Cavs most likely in the in in the finals. And everything's fine. I don't. I don't get the need to constantly change the playoff format. The NBA is the ratings are up. Everything's going well in the NBA. Everyone loves watching the Warriors and Cavs play. Why would you want to change the format of a of a sport that's gaining popularity in this country? LeBron said, "I've been a part of the Eastern Conference my whole career, and we've been very, very competitive." He won the championship, of course, two years ago with the Cavs. He made it to seven straight finals with the Cavs and the Heat. And saying that no change is necessary, kind of agreeing with you, and I kind of, I kind of see that the same way. He says I would disagree with that. I think our league has been built the right way as far as when it comes to the postseason. There's been dominant conferences throughout time. In the '80s, you had the Lakers who dominated the league. Then you had Boston that dominated the league. In the '90s, you had Chicago that dominated the league. San Antonio also had its run. We had our run in the East with Miami. Golden State is having their run right now. And you can look at statistics and you look at different things, but you can look back to 2010 and 2009. The Cavs had the number one record in the regular season, didn't even make the finals. And James says it just changes the landscape of the history of the game. And this is a fascinating question because when you change something this late in the game, and I don't mean in the game of basketball, I mean in the history of the NBA, he says if you start messing with seedings and playoffs and then you start talking about well, if this team would have played this Western Conference team, what if? You do open a lot of what ifs. If you change the seating to where we wouldn't have had the same NBA Finals matchups. Now, obviously things are going to change throughout the years and you're going to see traditions go and we're seeing pace of play changes in baseball and rule changes and there wasn't always a two-point conversion in the NFL and there have been a number of, of advances that could have altered results in previous years. But it's definitely opening up a can of worms. And although I like, in theory, the idea of just seeding the top teams, if you're going to seed the top teams for the playoffs, and the playoffs is the only thing anybody plays for to win a championship, then why even have conferences in the first place? If you're going to seed 16 teams, just put everybody, just call it one NBA. Yeah. And then you can do it that way. But if you are still going to have an East and a West, there needs to be a reason for the East and the West. And the original reason for the East and the West, travel and tradition, I don't see any reason really to change that. Guys out in L.A., I know you guys are also big NBA fans like we are. This just seems unnecessary. I, I can understand the impetus to want to have the two best teams in the finals, but I think a lot of times you do get the two best teams in the finals. It just happens to be the last few years the West has been a little bit more unbalanced than we've seen in previous years. Yeah, this kind of makes me feel like what Major League Baseball is considering with you get to pick your last three hitters in the ninth inning. Um <laughs> It, like a different way to get more interest, yeah. but does the NBA really need more interest? No, exactly. The numbers yeah. are up. See, numbers are up across the board right now, and and that's that's why I'm not buying it. 
Justin, what do you think? My thing is, is, is when you make a change like this, or, or when you think about making a change like this, it's what's the end game? Do they want different champions? Do they want to not have dynasties? Like, what's the point of, of making this change? Uh, the matchups, I think, are already good enough. And like I said, you might get Rockets and Warriors in the in the West Conference Finals, and those might be the two best teams. Well, they're playing then instead of playing in the championship round. Like I don't understand. So what what would be the point if they played in the championship round? The Warriors would still win the champion. I just I don't understand the the, the need to want to change something that seems to be working fine. Yeah, there is there is one argument out there about LeBron moving to the West. If LeBron moves to the West, how many stars do you have remaining in the East? It does become much more unbalanced if that it's were to change. It's an NBA problem. Got, yes, that is definitely an NBA problem. It's not necessarily something that would require a sweeping change, but I can see why you would be afraid of that. You'd have Giannis in the East. You'd have John Wall in the East. You'd have Kyrie in the East. You'd still have some guys, and maybe some one of the Sixers. You, well, I mean, you've already got Embiid. As long as he can stay healthy, he's a star. You do have some guys there, and Toronto is playing great, but I hate to tell you this, Toronto, but I've seen this movie before, and I'm not buying into the Raptors getting to the NBA Finals based on what I'm seeing from them in the regular season. I have been burned on that in the past. It will not happen again. If they win it this year, then I'll I'll buy it going forward. But what you're saying, Jeff, about whether or not the NBA needs to make these kind of changes is right. There was an article at Awful Announcing, and there have been a number of other pieces about this. Rating stories throughout sports. I don't know how many times we've talked about NFL ratings, and I don't want to do that today. But the NFL ratings were down. (laughs) One thing that does not get talked about almost at all is that NASCAR ratings have tanked just horrifyingly over the last few years. And that's because of lack of stars and guys starting to go out. And it's just it peaked years back. And there were a whole lot of personalities, and we're just kind of in a lull. And we might be seeing a change with Bubba Wallace showing up. That's going to potentially generate some new interest. And there are some young drivers to pay attention to. NASCAR had done such a great job of marketing, and all of a sudden they're struggling to do even half-decent television ratings, and they're having trouble sometimes selling out races. The Olympics have dropped in ratings as well this time around, which I don't think is a horrible surprise either. But the NBA, 7% jump in local ratings, 17 to 30 teams, numbers are up. National scale, the exact same thing. Average TV viewership for NBA national broadcasts on TNT, ESPN, ABC, and NBA TV is 1.4 mil, which is up 17% from the last regular season. It's the most watched start to a season since 2012 and the 2013 season. That's also the biggest ratings growth in North American pro sports. Outpaces the majority of linear television, which has also seen major ratings decline. And the growth is strong among the key demo. Adults 18 to 34 and 1849, where Major League Baseball is still a baby boomer sport. It's growing. The audience is growing older, not younger. We're seeing that change. TNT's live game coverage... Biggest since 2013-2014, 1.9 million viewers through 44 telecasts is up 20% versus last year. Double-digit growth across all key demos. And what was the storyline about the NBA coming into this season? Who's going to watch? They have a huge problem with the regular season because Golden State's obviously going to win the championships and no one's going to watch the regular season. Nobody's going to pay attention to anything that's going on. And what have we seen? I've made this argument before. 
the one sport where you can see these guys' faces is the one where they have the biggest stars off the court. Obviously, you don't always know what a football player is going to look like because you see him in a helmet, but you know what LeBron James looks like. You see every emotion on that guy's face every time he goes up and down the floor. You know what Kyrie Irving looks like. You know what John Wall looks like. You definitely know what Lonzo Ball looks like. You know who these guys are, and you've gotten to know them. And the NBA... Over all other pro sports, has done drama better than anybody. And when you can create drama, you can start to make people watch your games just to see your personalities. And right now, the NBA is rolling. Well, the NBA allows their stars to have personalities. The NFL did not for a long period of time, and they're starting to bring that back with relaxing the celebration rules and letting guys have more fun and bringing social media into this. But, too, look, the NFL doesn't allow their teams to post highlights during the game. The NBA does. The NBA is more social media friendly. They try to get the young crowd in, right? They post highlights. They post clips. They have fun with things. Uh, NBA Twitter is a lot more fun than NFL Twitter. It's not as stuck up as NFL Twitter is. Um, so you have all these things geared toward getting that young audience to love to love your game, and that's part of the reason why the ratings are up. It's a more fun product, which is not even really a way to say that, but it's a more fun product than the NFL is right now, and that's what the NFL has to work on. The NFL has to work on making the game more enjoyable for fans to watch. Um, I'm not, I've talked about this ad nauseum. I'm not so concerned about the protesting angle of the NFL yes. and why the ratings are down. I think that's a very small reason why. There's other reasons for that. Um, but still, uh, that's to me, when I, when I go on Twitter and look at NBA Twitter or go and watch their clips and highlights, it's a far better package than the NFL side of it. Yeah, I think that that maybe not fun product, but it's more fun to be paying attention to it's just you like being a part of the nba community the fan community you're right about twitter it's a whole lot more fun than nfl twitter was and i'm with you like i do think that the protests had some impact but let's be real here steve kerr talks all the time greg popovich talks all the time LeBron. lebron james talks all the time the most marketable stars in the league a lot of them now talk politics all the time And there's one of two reasons here. One is the people that have deserted the NFL for protests aren't NBA fans anyway. And if that's the case, then the secondary reason would be the audience in the NBA is much more in tune with the viewpoints of the Steve Kerrs, the Greg Popoviches, LeBron James, than is the NFL audience. I think that it's probably somewhere in the middle. I think that there's truth to that, and I think that there is truth to those that have kind of walked away from the protests, but with the exception of Clay, most of us on this show have suggested that it's a conglomeration of factors for the NFL ratings decline. Yes, the protest does have something to do with it, but I don't think it's 90% or anything like that. When you see television ratings dropping all across the board, when you see cord cutting, which we have discussed at different times, when you see key injuries in the NFL, which is interesting because there have been, yeah, big problem and big problem early. And there aren't as many just big marketable stars in the NFL. There should be, but the NBA has lost its share of big name stars and the league still seems to be handling its business. So we'll continue to talk about this as we move on through the show. Should there be a change in the playoff format? LeBron says no. I tend to agree with him. I think Jeff does as well. Adam Silver has also talked about different plans for potentially a play-in style early part of the NBA playoffs and we'll discuss that 
on the other side as well. But would you change the playoff format? And what explains to you why the NBA ratings are up when NFL ratings are down and ratings seem to be across the board down everywhere? Everybody seems to be paying attention to an NBA that seems to have a predetermined outcome in the eyes of many. It's very interesting. 877-99-FOX, 877-996-6369. Back in the flash, this is Fox Sports Radio. Wouldn't you love a bigger tax refund? TaxSlayer was recently rated number one for maximum refund, so you have more cash to spend on whatever the heck you want this tax season. Go out and slay it. Max your refund. TaxSlayer.com. Outkick the coverage today. Also brought to you by True Car. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people pay for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. This is how I kick the coverage. Clay Travis is back on Monday. <clears throat> I'm Jason Martin in with uh, Jeff Schwartz, who played on the offensive line in the NFL. We talked a lot of NBA there in that first segment, and we're going to talk more NBA before the end of the show. But And we're all sort of working through this now because it has kind of come out in the middle of the night, and it's a article that has a little bit of depth to it. Pat Forty and Pete Thamel at Yahoo have put out an exclusive with federal documents detailing sweeping potential NCAA violations involving high-profile players in schools. This is the college basketball expose, and I don't think this is the end of it, but just some of the highlights that we have seen so far going through this article, Jeff, tying major programs, major names in the sport to activity that appears to violate the NCAA's amateurism rules. A lot of this surrounds one particular pretty big-time NBA agent, former NBA agent Andy Miller, his former associate Christian Dawkins, and his agency, ASM Sports. There are expense reports and balance sheets included in this piece, but here are some of the names, and this is directly from this article, so bear with us here. This could end up casting a pall over the NCAA tournament because of eligibility issues. NCAA officials declined to request for comment. There's potential impermissible benefits and preferential treatment for players and families of players at Duke, North Carolina, Texas, Kentucky, Michigan State, USC, Alabama, and a host of other schools. The documents link some of the sport's biggest current stars, Michigan State's Miles Bridges, Alabama's Colin Sexton, and Duke's Wendell Carter to specific potential extra benefits for either the athletes or their family members. The amounts tied to all of the players in the case range from basic meals to tens of thousands of dollars. An ASM balance sheet in the hands of investigators shows accounts through December 31, 2015 with the subheading Loan to Players listed several who were in high school or college as receiving four-figure and five-figure payments from ASM. Among the largest listed loans, here are some names you will know. Dennis Smith, who would go on to play at NC State in 2016 and 2017, received $43,500 according to the documents. Another document headed PINA for ASM agent Stephen PINA says Smith received a total of 73500 in loans, includes notes about quotes, Options to recoup the money, unquote, when Smith did not sign with ASM. Some of the other names, Isaiah Whitehead, who at the time was a freshman at Seton Hall, $26,000, and 37 total, setting up a payment plan, did sign with the agency, but later left for Rock Nation. Junior at LSU, Tim Quarterman, at least sixteen grand. Diamond Stone, at the time a freshman at Maryland, 14000 Bam Adebayo. 
$12,000. Of course, he would go to play at Kentucky, did not sign with the agency. And a later reference in another balance sheet says he received over $36,000. And the document reads, bad loan. And then, over in the Pac-12, Markel Fultz, who played at Washington, became the number one pick in the draft, although hasn't gone that well for him thus far in the NBA, received ten grand. did not sign with ASM. Yahoo reached out to NC State, to Seton Hall, to Maryland, to Kentucky, and Washington about these. All of them declined comment or did not return correspondence. There are a whole lot of specifics in these sheets, and I'm just looking through the documents and seeing some other big names through the years, loans to players and different people, including, like, I'm dating back, like there's Kyle Kuzma in this list, I see Kyle O'Quinn in this list, I see Kyle Lowry in this list, I see Nerlens Noel in this list, I see Jared Jeffries in this list. I'm just looking for some of the bigger names that as soon as I mention, it's going to raise your eyebrows if you're out there, wherever it is that you're listening to this program today. There's a lot of depth here. Uh, there's going to be more depth here, and the story continues on, and we're still going through there. Let's see, Benny Boatwright, current USC player, received at least two grand. either him or his father did. Current Texas player, Eric Davis. There's a South Carolina player, Brian Bowen. There's the Kuzma thing, $9,500 while he was at Utah, according to the documents. P.J. Dozier, former South Carolina player, at least, at least six grand. There's a Xavier player included, a former Wichita State player included that you would know, Fred Van Vliet, received at least $1,000. A Clemson player and the mother of Josh Jackson, the star at Kansas, received around $2,700. Now, Jeff, here is my question to you, and I think it's a question that everybody will have an answer for and you can call us and and give your thoughts as we've talked about this issue many times but we knew this was coming and here it's coming right towards the end of the college basketball regular season 877-996-6369 by the way if you want to join us we knew this was going on and i don't think anybody's been in doubt about this since blue chips came out in the mid 90s i mean if pete (laughs) bell if pete bell was going to cheat at western Anybody was going to cheat. There are happy Kuykendalls all the way out there, alumni and people that want to pay these guys and agencies and all of these kinds of things. These names are huge. If the NCAA does what the NCAA should do in this case, what should they do in this case? I mean, look at some of these names and look at some of these schools. Duke, Carolina, Michigan State, Texas, uh, Alabama, who of course is having a really good season. And it's a lot of the bigger name guys. Can you imagine a tournament without a Miles Bridges or a Colin Sexton or some of these guys. All right. Well, this article today basically shows that what agency is just paying the the student-athlete to hopefully sign with them, which I don't think a lot of these guys end up signing with them anyway. So this doesn't really involve college basketball and their programs, right? They're not funneling these kids to universities. I know that's another part of this investigation. Um, but so I, I, why is the NCAA involved in, in this I mean, it, it breaks their amateur, you know, their their amateurism rules, um, which we can discuss uh, really another time. But I, I don't. We, this has been this happens in, in in every in every collegiate sport. Um, I don't view it as a big deal. I understand why why other people would. Um, this is not a problem for the NCAA because they're not funneling the kids to the schools. Now, look. What you know? What do they do to punish the kids? They're already most of them are gone. I mean, if you just make them in, in the the kids that are playing now, they're just ineligible. Um, I don't know why the teams would suffer based on the stuff that we know in this article. The teams should not suffer at all because. 
they weren't part unless they unless there's another part of this where ASM is funneling them to schools by giving them money and the coaches there know about this. The only way to stop any of this is to make it a federal offense to bribe players. Plain and simple. Otherwise, it's going to keep happening because the agency really won't get any punishment. Now, there, there, there is the, the FBI investigation for, for wire fraud and, and bribery and, and those type of things. And, and that, this will, if, if they get charged with these crimes and they go to jail, this will stop. Plain and simple. Yeah, and you know there are other names and other schools as you go deeper into this. Vanderbilt, Notre Dame, Virginia, Iowa State. I mean, players from that, obviously. And there have been meetings with agents having dinners with the likes of Tom Izzo, with, quote, Villanova coaches, unquote, and some other names like that. So this is certainly wide-reaching. But one of the things that it looks like is the key here is that it's about who is paying for the meals when these guys would meet with the agents, that that is like the biggest issue here. This whole thing, there's a whole lot of nuance here, and there's a whole lot of specifics that is sort of hard to get your head wrapped around because the NCAA is so weird in what they deem to be acceptable and unacceptable and the way that they apply their rules and things like that. Now, we saw you know Chuck Person and Auburn and some of those folks that were actually arrested for getting payments in the funneling process, and we know what happened with Rick Pitino at Louisville, and, and all of those things, this seems to be much different. It's expense reports with, like, here's a flight for Brian Bowen's mom. Here's an advance to Josh Jackson's mom. Here is some advance to Fred Van Fleet. Here's lunch with Miles Bridges' parents at the Redwood Lodge. Here's an advance to Miles yeah, Bridges' mom. Yeah, so there's all sorts of things that are had that. questionable and problematic. I don't think that it necessarily attacks the schools directly yet, although this may end up then tying these schools to other things and bring them under more scrutiny, Jeff. But I think the the bigger thing would be these players now being deemed ineligible for right. breaking that's amateurism the rules. You can give, that's a punishment you can give the current players now. So I my dad has a as a close business friend who is an organ booster. And to for me to hang out with him, we had to call the we had to call organ compliance who talked to the NCAA and said, "Look, we've known this family for 15, 20 years now, um, and so Jeff should be able to hang out with them and and do things with their family and not have to worry about NCAA infractions." So, like we had to get that clear, just, you know, just to go hang out at his beach house and, and make sure that you know he could pay for lunch one day for us, right? Like, I mean, I went with his kids um, to his beach house, and so um, things like that. You know, the NCAA cares a lot about. Does it bother you that players get bribed by agents? Like, I don't know why I don't care as much. I, I think that I I'm care. probably in the minority. Um, if if an agency wants to try to to get somebody, um, you know, it's the same as if if an, if you know the normal person is trying to get a job and someone offers you a better bonus to start now than another place does. Um, I, I just I, I don't I don't get outraged by 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 these type of things. I really don't. And maybe I'm the strange one who who should care more, but I really don't. I really don't either. Um, we have discussed it ad nauseum on this show, as have many other shows, whether or not athletes should be paid, whether or not, you know, if you're able to, if somebody wants to pay you to sign your name on a jersey or sign your name on a program or sign your name to whatever it might be, or offer you endorsement money, and that's because of your name and what you've been able to do as an athlete, I think you should be able to do that. I think that in a in, an, in our economy, that should not be something that is frowned upon at all. If somebody wants to pay you to do something, that's fine. And if agents 
are a part of that because agents are trying to help you prepare for your future. It might seem seedy, but if you could just... It would be more transparent if all the rules weren't so archaic. And the rules being so archaic makes everything have to be done in a fog and done in a clandestine manner. And that, to me, causes issues. Uh, Yahoo reached out to a dozen programs late last night. Only person to respond is Xavier coach Chris Mack. He released a statement. He said, quote, I have no relationship with Andy Miller or any of his associates. He plays no role in the recruitment process of potential potential student-athletes on Xavier's behalf. Beyond that, our staff has never created a path for him to foster a relationship with any of our student-athletes while enrolled at Xavier. Any suggestion that I or anyone on my staff utilized Andy Miller to provide even the slightest of financial benefits to a Xavier student-athlete is grossly misinformed. We are prepared to cooperate with any and all investigations at any level. Unquote. That's a statement from Xavier's Chris Mack. All right, let's go to Eddie quickly. Let's go to Eddie Garcia out in Los Angeles and get an update and find out what happened last night in the world of sports. Eddie. Well, guys, we'll start with the NBA where we had our first action following the All-Star break and some games of note. The Warriors outscored the Clippers 134-127. Steph Curry, 44 points for Golden State. Wizards over the Cavaliers, 110-103. That's the Cavs' first loss since their big trade at the deadline. Washington's now 8-2 since guard John Wall was sidelined due to an injury. Thunder get a Russell Westbrook three-pointer at the buzzer to beat the Kings 110-107. 76ers edge the Bulls 116-115. College basketball, we had six ranked teams in action. One of them lost. That was number 23 Houston, who fell to Memphis 91-85. Wins for number 6 Gonzaga, number 9 Purdue, number 11 Cincinnati, number 14 Arizona, and number 22 St. Mary's. And also, guys, sticking with uh, college basketball, Arizona Wildcats star point guard Alonzo Trier has been declared ineligible by the NCAA after testing positive for a banned substance for the second time. Arizona is appealing that. Uh, many people think in Arizona was a potential Final Four team with Trier, who's their leading scorer, but without him, uh, they don't get much shot of uh, going deep in the tournament, at least according to a lot of experts. Yeah, that's right. He's averaging over 19 points a game for the Wildcats, and now he'll be averaging zero. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier for poor Alonzo. This is the second time he's been dinged for PEDs. He missed 19 games last season, said he never he knowingly took anything. I don't know. He said he never knowingly took anything, so they he's tested again last month. And results a- confirmed a reappearance of a trace amount of a banned substance, which this is the quote from the report, minuscule by scientific standards and appears to be a remnant of a substance. I don't know what the substance is, but he claims he didn't do it knowingly. It is kind of strange. The whole thing is really weird. So he missed 19 games last season, and now he's ineligible. And as Eddie said, I agree with this. Arizona was certainly somebody, a team that would have been a favorite in a lot of brackets right. to make the Final Four. But if you lose your guard that's averaging 19.6 points per game that was supposedly kind of deemed to be an early second-round draft pick uh, in this upcoming draft, uh, you're probably not going to the Final Four. So here's a way that sometimes the trace elements get in your bloodstream and how you test positive. So if you take a supplement <laughs> from an unknown from and not a big time supplement company, one that's not regulated as highly as other ones is so they can make a banned product in the same area they make a product that's not banned, and then you, that trace element gets in the powder or gets in the capsule, whatever it is, and that's how you test positive for a banned substance. That's why they tell us all the time: look, take 
so, take supplements that have the, I forget what the stamp is on there, the approval stamp that says they're made in a separate facility, they're deemed uh, to not be a banned substance, uh, but to, to be busted twice though, ugh. and if you're, I don't, if you're a college basketball player, you're young, you're athletic, why are you even messing with any supplement that could be a PED? It, it makes no sense to me. I get if you're a 35-year-old NFL player and you need a little boost in your career, or you're getting toward the end of your NBA career and and and, and you need a little boost and you need some HGH, you need something to help you go. I, I get that. Trust me, as an older NFL player, I understood the need yeah. for for maybe wanting to use a substance. But if you're a young college basketball player, you're super athletic. Like you should just in, use your athleticism. You don't need to take anything else. You would think. Let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side. And we'll continue to talk about this. Also, in the wake of this NCAA report that came out this morning from Yahoo that we've kind of talked about over this last 15 minutes or so on the program, what are your thoughts? And do you care? about this although you probably should if you care about the ncaa tournament because if some of these names are out of it a weird tournament is just going to get that much weirder we'll be right back it's outkick the coverage on fox sports radio what does it mean when geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15 percent or more on car insurance it means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago And when you're hiring, you don't want to waste time sorting through dozens of irrelevant resumes. You want an efficient way to get to a short list of qualified candidates. That's why you need Indeed.com. Post a job in minutes, set up screener questions based on your job requirements, then zero in on qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard. Discover why 3 million businesses use Indeed for hiring. Post a job today at Indeed.com slash hire. Search for greatness. Search Indeed. This is Outkick the Coverage. Clay's back on Monday. I'm Jason Martin, his executive producer. You know me. I'm at Jmart Outkick. You know Jeff Schwartz as well. He played on the offensive line for eight years in the NFL. He's at Jeff Schwartz, G-E-O-F-F, if you want to follow him on Twitter. Uh, one of the stories that we've talked about this week, and we will continue to talk about this college basketball thing, and if you want to, to uh, chime in, eight seven seven nine nine on Fox, you can join us. The article is pretty wide-reaching and pretty in-depth, so we're still kind of working through all of it. And if there is more information we need to bring you, we will. The story really is, we've talked about all this. We knew that there were going to be big programs involved. There are big programs involved. We don't know to what extent the programs are involved or just players that might not be eligible. There are documents the NCAA can't view because they're sealed with protective orders. There's all sorts of complicating factors here, and we really don't know exactly yet how it's all going to shake out. But another story that we've talked about all week pretty much on this show is the Kirk Cousins story, Jeff. And last night and yesterday, I know Manish Mehta for the New York Daily News and some others then kind of backed this up. The Jets have now said, look, we're not going to do, quote, whatever it takes to bring in Kirk Cousins. They're not going to leverage the whole franchise and pay this guy $180 million to give him 60 mil in his first season, as some people speculated. There are seven potential destinations for Kirk Cousins. The Broncos, the Vikings, the Jets, the Cardinals, the Browns, the Bills, the Jags. I saw Bill Barnwell lay out sort of potential free agent moves that could be done or, or contracts that could be worked out for Cousins, and I think the Browns may have had maybe the best deal if they wanted to try and get it done. But if you're rating destinations on most likely and least likely, Jeff, Broncos, Vikings, Jets, Cardinals, Browns, Bills, Jaguars, we can rate them there, and then we can rate them on best fit for Kirk Cousins, and we'll probably extend this into the second hour as well. And I know we've talked about it a little bit, but where do you think it's most likely that Kirk Cousins could end up? 
Well, I think the Browns have. I know the Browns have the most money to offer him. And I and look, Joe Thomas has been riding hard to get Kirk Cousins in the media, and and I have a feeling that he's talked to John Dorsey, and they figured out, um, you know, who they want to target. And John Dorsey is the new GM there, and John Dorsey has said through Joe Thomas that that they want a veteran quarterback. So they might draft a quarterback at one or four. But they're going to get a veteran quarterback, and and it's probably going to be Kirk Cousins. They're going to go hard after Cousins. Now, it comes down to whether Cousins will want the money or whether he'll want the situation. And they can sometimes be the same thing. Uh, I've seen people tweet out that Cousins has made a lot of money, which he has, and therefore he's not going to go chase the money. I kind of disagree with that thought. Um, Very often, guys at the very top of of free agency, not the guys that are three, four, and five at their position. At the very top, they chase the money for uh, for a lot of reasons. One, it's an ego thing. You want to be the highest paid quarterback of all time. He can say that for whatever, how many weeks it's going to happen before you know Rodgers gets redone and, and, and the next quarterback gets redone, right? He can say that for a certain period of time. I'm the highest paid quarterback of all time. Two, and this sounds whatever, I don't really care, you can never have enough money. Like, I, I, like the idea, it's only in sports do we say that that players should not get their value and should go do team-friendly deals or go to a better situation. We don't say that in any other profession um, except football players. We expect football players and baseball players and basketball players to take far less money than their value and and play somewhere that's that's better suited for them. It almost never happens. You know, Kevin Durant is an example of basketball. Basketball players make so much money off the court that their NBA contracts, and their NBA contracts are guaranteed, by the way, um, they can take less money because they can make up the rest of that money in endorsements. We can't do that in the NFL. You don't get fully guaranteed contracts. Kirk Cousins, he might be the highest paid quarterback. He's not the most marketable quarterback. He's not going to make that money on the back end. So the Browns can offer him the most money. Um, and the third reason why is that the agent wants to be wants to say, I know Kirk Cousins' agent, Mike McCartney, I was with Priority Sports, the same agency. Um, he wants to say, I got the best deal for my guy. I got him to be the highest paid quarterback. You know how big of a pitch that is to a, to a rookie coming out, um, to, to a senior in college, when you go sit down in his living room and you say, look, I got Kirk Cousins two franchise years in Washington and then got him to be the highest paid quarterback of all time. That's a huge recruiting pitch. So the agent's going to push for the most money possible. So the Browns can offer the most money. They have the most cap space. They, 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 they can offer above and beyond. And also, because it's Cleveland, they might have to offer above and beyond. What happens right. very often in Cleveland is you need to right. get more Let money. Me, uh, we, got, we got our heart out, so we'll get to you. We'll uh, continue this on the other side. We'll continue on the flip side. Also, the Combine is next week. How does that process work? We'll talk to Jeff about that. Plus, Dan Orlovsky next hour on Outkick the Coverage. Hour number two of the Friday Outkick program coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Also coming up on Friday, March the 2nd, Bruce Willis stars in Eli Roth's reimagination of the original action film Death Wish. After a devastating home invasion, a family man morphs into a badass revenge machine when the system fails him, so he decides to take matters into his own hands to protect his family. The big question is whether you'll view him as a hero or villain based on how far he goes to protect that family. Bruce Willis, a force to be reckoned with, deeply human, full of swagger, classic Willis charm. You don't want to miss the action thriller. It's Death Wish. It's in theaters Friday, March the 2nd. Jeff Schwartz and me, I'm Jason Martin, in for Clay Travis. He will be back on Monday. We were kind of talking about Kirk Cousins there in the uh, last segment. Another thing that I noticed yesterday, and we're starting to see more of this, and we're going to talk to Dan Orlovsky 
uh, in the next segment about the draft and about the combine and we're going to get your combine process information as well here and, and discuss how it all plays out Jeff but before we leave Cousins I saw Mel Kuyper yesterday suggest Baker Mayfield at six to the Jets I had seen that about a month ago as well so he's sticking by that he's got Darnold going to the Broncos he's got Josh Allen going number one to the Browns he's got Josh Rosen outside the top 10 right yeah, now he's got a lot of problems things, with that mark draft yeah these things are going to change and they're certainly fluid I can't see a universe in which Baker Mayfield goes before Josh Rosen first of all and based on what we talked about with Josh Allen yesterday I saw another article comparing Josh Allen to Kyle Bowler and how Kyle Bowler was viewed leaving school having similar accuracy issues but having a powerful arm as well and that the Ravens made a gigantic mistake in that situation and that somebody might make the same kind of mistake with Josh Allen. We don't know. We've also seen Josh Allen compared to Carson Wentz because of where he plays and what part of the country he plays in. So no one right now, I don't think we can take these mock drafts too seriously, although we're also seeing a lot of love for Saquon Barkley. You and I discussed this off-air a couple of days ago. A lot of folks believe he may go to the Giants, which is something we had talked about last year when we were guest hosting this show. Saquon seems to maybe be the safest pick right now in the entire draft. Well, so much to talk about there. Um, Look, Mel Kuyper puts out his mock drafts, I think, to get reaction, right? And so I agree. I wasn't really uh, so upset about where he put Baker Mayfield. I I read what he wrote, and that's what bothered me. So he wrote that Baker Mayfield is more ready to play in the NFL now than Josh Rosen, which is just not true. Um, I don't I don't know where he got that from. I don't know what front office staff told him that. I don't know if Baker Mayfield's agent paid him to say that. Um, that's just not true. Josh Rosen, out of the six quarterbacks, the top six guys, I think will some form of the six guys will get drafted, right? So it's Josh Rosen, Sam Darno, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, uh, Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph. I think Mason's probably like sixth, the sixth guy in that, in yeah. sixth or fifth or sixth in that in that group of quarterbacks. But th- those are the top six guys, probably. Maybe Mike White from Western Kentucky um, and Riley Ferguson from from Memphis. Those are like the top the top eight guys. Um, Josh Rosen is the most ready to play now out of any of those guys. He was the most ready to play as a freshman in college. Um, and look, you might not like his attitude, which I spoke about yesterday. It doesn't bother me. If you win football games, your attitude, it, it doesn't matter. It, and I think his attitude will be fine when he gets in the NFL locker room. I'm okay with my quarterback being a little cocky, a little uh, a little confident. I think you need that as a quarterback in the NFL. Look at the top guys. They all have a little bit of jerk in them. They're all a little cocky. And then you have to be to play at a high level at any really position in the NFL. You have to have a little bit of an ego. Um, I'm okay with his attitude. It does not bother me. He His issues, and I watch a lot, a lot of Josh Rosen because my parents are UCLA alums. I, wa- I, watch, a lot of, I watch a lot of UCLA football. Um, his problem is that he never really took what the defense gave him. He always tried to, to push the ball downfield and make plays, partly because they had no run game in UCLA. He barely got protection. So if you get him in offense... Where you say, look, dude, just take the easy shot. Just take it. Take take the take the four yard flat route. Take the seven yard hook. Right. Take these easy shots. He's the most right now. He I don't think he has the most upside. He's the most right now. So for so for Kuiper to write that that Mayfield's more ready than than Rosa is just not true. And look, Josh Allen. If you look at Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz in college, he he really just you know his senior year completed sixty two percent of passes for his career. He completed sixty four percent of passes, and those are really for for his um, 
for the three years he played a lot. Um, and he played in, uh, he really was a starter for just two years, his junior year and his senior year. Um, and look, he completed 63% and 62% in those last two years. Josh Allen completes 56% of passes. That's not acceptable. Yeah. I don't care what the excuses are. I don't care that if he doesn't have good wide receivers. He had, I believe, two years ago, and his coach even mentioned this, that he lost a bunch of players who went to the NFL, whether they got drafted or whether they're on practice squad. Well, his completion percentage wasn't good last year either. So it, 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 what, what excuse does he have? And I watched Josh Allen play a couple times this year against Oregon and against, um, uh, against Oregon and against, um, uh, Iowa and it wasn't very good. Like those are the two. Those are the two games where you figure he's going to give his best. He's going to give his his best effort uh, against the two best teams he's going to play all year. And it just was not. It just was not very good. And I'm going to pull up right now. Look, he completed 56 percent of passes with the in his junior year. His his best year uh, where he threw for 3,200 yards um, last year. 56 percent of passes yards per attempt 6.7. That's not very good in college. Right. Um, and then if you look toward his, I'm going to try to find his his. Um, his his box scores for I think Oregon game he was completed seven passes in the Iowa game maybe ten at the most um, so in the biggest games he played he didn't come up very big for his team so now you're gonna draft him number one put him in Cleveland where there's gonna be a lot of pressure on him to be the guy in Cleveland they need they need a guy at quarterback they need someone to lead that franchise I would draft Darno or Rosen um, and you know those two guys will succeed Josh Allen's too big of a risk to take at number one. I'm dying for for the Broncos to have a chance to draft Sam Darnold because I think he's an absolute star in the making. So let's let's boil this down to the brass tacks, Jeff. You said a lot of words there. Let's boil it down to a very few words. This is a tough word to use about anybody, but what is the bust potential for Josh Allen based on what you've seen and what you could potentially expect? We don't know how he could end up being one of the great players we've ever seen or he could end up being a bust, but based on what you've seen, and looking at the numbers that you've evaluated, what are the chances Josh Allen is a flat bust in the NFL? Um, I mean, I think it's about fifty percent, right? He I, here's his box score: Why Iowa? They lost. He was twenty three of forty seven against Oregon at home. At Oregon at home, Oregon not very good last year, right? He it was nine for twenty four. Right? For he threw for sixty four yards against against Oregon with a brand new defense. It's not acceptable. Um, I think it's a high bust rate. To me, he he reminds me of Jake Locker. Um, same Whew. build, same great big arm, uh, same potential of being you know, you know of being the next great guy. Um, and you know, Locker went to Tennessee and retired after four years. And I could see Josh Allen doing the same. Yes, Josh Allen has a cannon of arm. He makes some amazing throws. There, you know, if if you go watch his highlights, you're like, wow. If he can do that all the time, then then you know he could be the guy. Look, the, the one thing about going to Cleveland, and if he goes number one, and this could be your thinking, and this is maybe where, where, where Mel Kuyper's getting this, right? If they go ahead and get Kirk Cousins, they can take Josh Allen at one because the way the salary cap works right now and, and those top guys are not getting top dollar like they used to get, they can have Cousins and have Josh Allen and just let Josh Allen sit there for a couple years. Now, if they get Cousins, I don't know if they're going to want to spend that first pick on a quarterback because right. Cousins theoretically should be their guy and they could take uh Barkley at number one and take 
a defensive player, take Chubb at four, take uh, take Roquan Smith at four, take uh, Quentin Nelson, the 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 lineman from Notre Dame at four. They could trade out of four. They could trade out of one. Right? It gives them more options if they if they end up picking up Kirk Cousins, and so that that obviously will change the mock draft process in in, in on March fourteenth. If Cousins does sign with the Browns. I just I don't get the love for Josh Allen. Uh, well, I do get it. It's because he's got a big arm, and people love quarterbacks who have who have big arms. And and for Baker Mayfield, you know, the idea I guess is he just he makes plays. But in that offense, that that doesn't translate to the NFL. The offense he's in now, so it's going to take a little bit of time. My if I were to, to to choose a best spot for Baker Mayfield, and I've seen this mocked in a couple different places, and the first one I saw was Matt Miller, a Bleacher Report. New Orleans as a backup for two years. Go to New Orleans. You're playing with a quarterback of similar stature. It's all about height wise. Um, in, in New Orleans, yeah. they, they build their offense for a smaller quarterback. And what I mean by that is they have big old, big old hosses at center and guard and keep that pocket really, really firm in the middle, right? Max Unger is a center. He's 6'5. That's huge for a center. Larry Warford is 6'4, big old guard. Left guard is Andres Pete, about 6'7. They, they have big guys. They've always done that, whether it was Jari Evans or Ben Grubbs. They've had big players in the middle to keep that pocket really firm so Breeze can step up, can see can see the passing lanes. I love that idea. If you draft Baker Mayfield to play, which I think Mel Kuyper is, is wanting with the Jets, it's not going to work well in, the, in, in year one or two. He's a guy I think that you have to sit. I, I would... I wouldn't be opposed to, to having four of these six guys sit with Darno and Rosen playing right now. Um, and so I just, I don't buy the Baker Mayfield hype. Um, you know, again, I, I don't mind the cockiness of him, right? The, the crotch grab, the, the flag plant. Obviously, some of the off the field stuff I think will be a concern for, for NFL teams, right? Run, you know, getting tackled by a police officer, running away from the police. That, that, is, he'll have to answer for that at the combine and for in, in, in individual meetings, right? Do you, do you trust a, a player who's had some problems in the past to not make the same mistakes when it's big time in the NFL, especially going to like a city like New York? Um, that, that doesn't concern me as much, but it concerns front office personnel. I know it will. So I don't buy the hype for him. I mean, he could be a good player, but if you draft him to play right now, if you draft Josh Allen to play right now, Lamar Jackson to play right now, um, these guys all have flaws. Darno and Rosen just have less of they have less flaws, and and I'm interested to talk to to, to Dan Orlovsky coming up here about these quarterbacks and what he sees as their flaws. Yeah, uh, when we had Alex Marvez on Tuesday, I asked him about Baker Mayfield, who he got to talk to at the Walter Camp Awards, and how Baker's come out and said, look, I'm not Johnny Manziel. We're two different people. We're two different players. I had to walk on. I had to transfer. Manziel was pretty highly touted. Uh, I've made a few mistakes, but I've got high character, and I've learned from them, and, and all these kinds of things. Like He's gone on this real PR tour, and I said, is this working? And Marvez said no, because it's in, it's indicating that Baker Mayfield is bothered by all of these kinds of things and that it actually might backfire on him within with NFL franchises that aren't buying into the redesign of Baker Mayfield. Does Dan Orlovsky buy into the redesign of Baker Mayfield? What does he think about Sam Darnold, about Josh Rosen, about Josh Allen, all of what we just heard Jeff break down? We will ask him next. He is a fantastic NFL analyst. If you have not heard him, stick around. It's an absolute treat. This is Outkick the Coverage with J. Martin Jeff in for Clay on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice 
True Car shows you what other people pay for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you see it. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Also, what if you could get up to $1,000 in as little as 48 hours with TaxLayer? Well, guess what? You can. Introducing Refund Now, only from TaxLayer. E-file your taxes, get up to $1,000 in as little as 48 hours with no upfront fees. Visit TaxLayer.com for details. Clay Travis back on Monday. I'm Jason Martin, his executive producer, live in Nashville, Tennessee, on Twitter at jmartoutkick, joined by eight-year NFL offensive line veteran Jeff Schwartz, G-E-O-F-F, if you want to find him on the tweets. And if you want to find our next guest, you can find him at Dan Orlovsky 7 This is the first time we've had him on the show. I've heard him doing radio hits in Nashville here for the last couple of months, and I've been so impressed with him as an analyst that I'm excited to have him on, especially as the draft is nearing, as the combine is next week, and we spent pretty much the entire last segment talking about the quarterbacks and about Mel Kuyper suggesting Baker Mayfield at six to the Jets, which we both think is kind of nuts, especially with Josh Rosen outside of the top ten. But I'm going to ask you the same question to start this that I asked Jeff in the last segment, Dan, and this is kind of baptism by fire to bring you in with a question that's this blunt, but what is the bust potential for Josh Allen based on what you've seen of his play, based on who he might appear to favor in terms of other guys that do the same things that he does? What is his chances of success as you see it right now? And I know we are all real limited in our information. He could end up being great even if we don't think it's going to be the case right now. Yeah, I mean, I think if his chances of success are so dependent on where he goes, but I think his chances of, you know, quote-unquote being a bust or unsuccessful are way higher than being successful because I've not said since the talk of him has really started to go. Find me a quarterback that really struggled to complete passes on a consistent basis in college that was good in the NFL, especially against, you know, I guess not your Power 5 conferences like Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco, Cole Pepper, McNair, those guys dominated at the level that they played at. And I'm not saying Wyoming's there, but they dominated at the level they play at, played at in college. And to say that this guy is – it's not the accuracy that, you know, oh, he needs to get better with the football, with his ball placement, he needs to get more accurate. There's eyebrow-raising accuracy questions when it comes to him. You know, head-scratching stuff of, wow, he's got some really – big glaring misses in games and then some stuff they talked about at the senior bowl. I just, I can't recall of a quarterback who had that many big time questionable issues coming out of college when it came to accuracy and then all of a sudden becoming really good in the NFL. So, you know, in the NFL, accuracy is paramount physical trait. It's the number one trait. Can you, and it's not, Hey, guys are wide open. We'll get him here. It's, can you put the ball on the right shoulder instead of in the middle of his chest? That's the difference between being good and just being okay. And I just I can't see that transitioning well for him. So who do you think he does? Does he remind you of anybody that you've seen in the pros, or maybe somebody that you've seen in college that's either flamed out or been sort of mediocre on the top level? You know, I think the biggest thing and, and it's, is Kyle Bowler. You know, Kyle Bowler was a guy who had a lot of physical traits. He had this big time arm. But he really struggled in college completing passes, and it's not a knock on Bowler. And then, you know, he, he went through this process of, and everyone fell in love with his arm and fell in love with his arm strength. And then everyone started to go, well, he struggled with completion percentage in the NFL because, or in college because of the talent around him. And it's kind of the stuff that we're hearing about Josh Allen. Oh, the players around him weren't that good. That's a huge mistake. You know, if you're a good quarterback, you're going to complete the ball. There's, uh, drops are going to happen. 
But if you're a good quarterback, you're going to place it accurately and more than not accurately to a point where your guys have no choice but to catch it. And he's the guy, you know, I, I think of the, you know, on the knee, throwing the ball through the goalpost from 40 or 50 yards. I just saw a video posted of Josh Allen doing it. And I, and I don't want to necessarily be on the comparison train, but I cringe when I see it because the number one question about him right now is the accuracy. No one cares. He, cool, he's got a good arm. The football field's only 100 <laughs> yards. I don't care if you can throw it a mile. So that's the, the name that continually comes to mind for me. I feel like we're at the time of the year now where people are trying to convince themselves to not take Dardo and not take Josh Rosen to the top. And it seems to be that, that Baker Mayfield now is, is risen to a level where people believe he's better than, than both those guys. When you watch Baker Mayfield, A, um, you know, wh- where do you see him kind of fall in this draft? And B, is he a guy that can come in and play right now or does he need to sit for a year or two? Well, I'll answer the, the, the second question first. I, I think a, most rookie quarterbacks, I come from the, the thought process that most rookie quarterbacks should sit unless you have someone so uniquely special and mature like an Andrew Luck. So I do think he needs to go sit. You know, where is he going to fall? I, he'll get drafted probably sooner than he should because that's how the draft goes when it comes to quarterbacks. Somebody's going to fall in love with them. And, you know, just like Patrick Mahomes, ends up, you know, someone jumps up and takes him super early last year. I will say this. I, I like Mayfield's game. I think that he's got the most NFL unique game. And when I say that, I mean, he's a guy that can throw from the pocket but also get creative. In, in, in turn, there's some guys who are coming out and are creative but sometimes can go th- throw from the pocket. They're, they're more the recess kid and sometimes can go throw from the pocket. And so I do like his game, not as much as I like Darnold and, and Rosen. But I, I think he'll be a top 10, top 12 draft pick because someone's going to fall in love with him. Someone's going to fall in love with the Tim Tebow-type competitiveness on the field and say this is the guy that we can build our organization around. But you better put him in a place to be successful with people around him because here's the biggest question for him is his maturity right now. And my thing would be, does he want to be mature? Not is he mature because no one is at 21 and certainly not NFL mature. But can I put people around him? to help him through that process and does he want to be mature but I do like his game looking at Josh Rosen it seems to be that a lot of the flaws or, or people saying the downside of Josh Rosen is is more off the field is his attitude and just the way he handles himself now to me I, I think quarterbacks have to have a little bit of ego. I think really anyone in the NFL has to have an ego, has to be a little cocky. It, it doesn't bother me, um, you know, that his attitude is the way it is. Plus, also, I think winning helps cure a lot of the, the attitude issues around the locker room. How do you look at Josh Rosen? I love him. I think he's custom made to go be a quarterback, starting franchise quarterback in the NFL attitude wise. You know, my, my point with Rosen is this. So he was the big-time kid coming out of high school, right? So he goes right. to UCLA in Los Angeles, all these expectations. He's going to revive the program, all that stuff, and he has some success. But then everyone tries to pick apart, oh, he's this kid from Cali, and he's in L.A., and he's too cool and whatnot. I use an example of this. I, I spent time with Matthew Stafford, and I remember being in a meeting room with him once, and we were preparing for the Green Bay Packers. And we're just looking at their defensive roster, and it was littered with draft picks. And I remember going, man, Clay Matthews, how long has he been in the NFL? And I said, Matthew, you know, was Clay Matthews your draft pick? He turned to me, locked eyes with a little bit of a smirk, and said, I don't know. I stopped paying attention after the first pick. 
And there's that little that little <laughs> feel good, that ego, and I think Rosen's got that. Rosen knows he's really good. Rosen knows he's really smart. And so I love that in a quarterback. Now you obviously you need to handle it and it's different in the NFL, but again, he's never we all mature because we get the opportunity to watch other people. We get to watch other people, learn from other people. He's never shared a room with somebody where that someone's been more mature than him or better than him. he was the kid that came in right away and played right away. And now he's got to go to the NFL. You have to put people around him, whether it's coach, player, veteran, to help him through that process. But you cannot teach that self-confidence, the brain he has, that, that, you know, that positive ego in a way. Ego isn't a bad thing when it comes to playing quarterback in the NFL, as long as you learn how to manage it. And I think he can, but I, I think his DNA is custom-made to go run a franchise. Dan Orlovsky, our guest, Dan Orlovsky7, if you want to follow him on Twitter. Dan, so we've talked about Rosen, we've talked about Mayfield, we've talked about Allen. Let's talk about Darnold. Sam Darnold is somebody that I absolutely love, despite the fact that he turned the ball over more than you would be too comfortable with last season at USC. I don't know if that was a function of the offense or just him trying to make plays. Andrew Luck turned the ball over a lot at Stanford, too. It worked out pretty well for him, minus the injuries in Indianapolis. When you look at Darnold, I think, and I saw you tweet this out a few days ago, Darnold has a chance to be super special depending upon where he goes, and I think that could be true for anybody, but how much more so is that true for a guy like Sam Darnold than maybe it is for a Josh Rosen? Yeah, I love Darnold, too. I think Darnold's greatest strength is he's got you know God-given innate abilities to see windows, change trajectory of ball, you know, gauge speed and angles that our guys are throwing at, and if you think about it, the greatest strength a quarterback, and one of the greatest strengths a quarterback can have is that ability to see things with his eyes and then send that message to let the ball go and have trajectory and angle and spin on the ball that it's placed perfectly. And, you know, Darnold just has that. He has that ability where you can't bet. That's not something you can drill. That's not something you can coach. It's just, if you quote-unquote say, arm talent. And that's one of those things that he does really well and better than anybody. I think he's like a combination of, like, Ben Roethlisberger and Tony Romo, where everything he does is kind of sloppy, and even his good stuff is sloppy, and this bad stuff, that sloppiness becomes some of those turnovers, but it's just this like recess sloppiness that is almost magical, and if he can go to a place with a quarterback coach that can refine some of that stuff, that sloppiness can become an asset of his, because he's got that, you know, that Roethlisberger, Romo, Carson Wentz kind of magicalness to him, and so... You know, the turnovers for me at USC are not a big deal. Coaches can help turnovers. Players around you can help turnovers. Play calling can help turnovers. I just think he's got stuff that you can't drill. You, you can always become a better decision maker, and you can always become have a stronger arm, and you can always get better in the pocket, but he's got stuff that you just can't drill. You can't coach. He's born with that, that recess, magical sloppiness that I love about his game. Magical sloppiness. That is quite the, quite the phrase on a Friday morning. So where would be a good place for him to go? You talk about going to a great quarterback coach and the right situation where he can flourish. Do you have a couple of destinations where you think, and especially looking at where these teams are picking early in the draft, are there some destinations in this top 10 or this top 5 to 6 range where you could see him flourishing? You know, I think the first one is Cleveland because Todd Haley, for what everyone wants to say about him, Todd Haley knows the quarterback position, and he can get guys to play really well. And his, you know, Darnold has the ability to push the ball downfield, and that's what I was saying about these angles and gauging speed and windows and anticipation. 
that's a big part of Todd Haley's offense, and he knows how to get guys. You know, he's he's been around Roethlisberger, and so Darnold, you know, for me, represents a lot of the things that Roethlisberger can do, and so I love him in Cleveland. Now, Denver would be a unique situation for me because this. Gary Kubiak is in that building now, and I played for Gary Kubiak, and I know he's not a coach, but he's in the building. And Gary Kubiak has just this way about him when it comes to quarterbacks, and I'm sure they would link those two guys up, where he just gets quarterbacks to understand the game and the benefits of the offense that they can run with Musgrave. And quarterbacks go to the next level when they have some type of relationship with Gary Kubiak. Matt Schaub did it. Joe Flacco did it. All these quarterbacks that have the opportunity to play you know, around him or with him or share time with him, their game goes to the next level because they understand the position so much more. That, for me, would be a really interesting place because I think he can go thrive there because Gary Kubiak being in that building. We've talked a lot this week about Bill Polian's comments that Lamar Jackson will be better suited at wide receiver in the NFL. Look, that might be the case one day, but do you think Lamar Jackson deserves the opportunity to play quarterback first in the NFL? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I can't sit here and tell you guys I've watched a plethora of film on him, but I've watched enough of his games and enough of his tape to say that he can flat out throw the ball from the pocket. Now he, like like in any player, he needs to be in the right system. But right. if he's in a system similar to you know what Tennessee is going to be running with Marcus Mariota, where you you have a structure of an offense, and you're not going to Lamar Jackson is not and never will be the guy that will be a Drew Brees or a Tom Brady or Matt Ryan, where you just really they're going to drop back a bunch and kind of surgically pick you apart. Lamar Jackson's a guy that you do want to have the opportunity to, to use his strengths. Now, no, you don't want him running around, but his strengths are going to be moving the pocket. His strengths are going to be ball manipulation because he comes from that spread offense where that's such a big part of it. But he can throw it. Now, does he need to grow and develop? For sure. But he's also got things, you know, with quarterbacks, you're always looking for the, do they have redeemable traits? And he's got redeemable traits that can transition. I, de- I definitely think that he has done enough to deserve the opportunity to go play quarterback in the NFL. Not only that, I think he can. I think he can be successful in the NFL as a quarterback as long as he gets in the right spot. Too many teams in the NFL, I say it all the time, more young quarterbacks in the NFL are ruined than they are made. And so he's got to go to the right place that is going to make him and not ruin him. So pivoting to the NFL, and also Bill Polian mentioned that the Eagles should ask for two first and two second for Nick Foles, which means Aaron Rodgers is worth a hundred first round draft picks. Um, look, I, 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 <laughs> um, I, I think Foles did a great job in Philly. I would be worried to trade for him. Uh, do you feel the same way? Yeah, you know, I'd give up two first and two seconds if I was getting Doug Peterson with him too as the play caller. You know, I. <laughs> I, I'm with you, Jeff. I think he did a really nice job. And, but I was outspoken about this from day one when Wentz went down. Foles was going to be okay. and yes, Foles, he did a nice job. But he was going to be okay because of that coaching staff, because Doug Peterson was so good, because they were the number one seed and, and had lost three games during the year because they had a really loaded talent-wise roster. And so yeah. he, someone's going to trade for him. Someone's probably going to give up a second-round pick for him because that's the NFL in the quarterback position. And Philadelphia should trade him, but I, I think we, I think what we saw in that five or six game stretch 
was so much more indicative of the people around him and the coaches around him rather than just him. Now, that's not a knock on him. He's the Super Bowl MVP, but it was really because of those people around him. Can you, if you're the team trading for him, do you have those same pieces in place? Do you have that incredible play call that understands offenses and design and, and matchups? And do you have, you know, a team that was 1 through 53 similar to what Philadelphia had last year? Dan, uh, Kirk Cousins has been a big story all week. He's been a big story for weeks. There are seven teams that most people are linking to potentially winning his services the Broncos, the Vikings, the Jets, the Cardinals, the Browns, the Bills, the Jags. A two part question. The first part being, what would be the best fit for Kirk Cousins as you see it? And the second question would be, where do you think he is most likely to be playing football next season? Yeah, I think the best fit scheme-wise is the obvious one of the Jets because Jeremy Bates and the Mike Shanahan tree. For me, I think Kirk Cousins fits so much more in Jacksonville or Minnesota. And I'll go Jacksonville, and this is why. So everyone's saying he wants top dollar. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the market is the market, and his agent will do his job. Kirk is such a different guy. And I don't know him that well, but he's such a different guy. And I, he just spent four years, five years, however many years, six years, I don't know how long, in Washington with such a dysfunctional organization. That's the reason he didn't sign was the dysfunction. He's not going to go to an organization that even shows a glimpse of dysfunction. So for me, Denver, out. Because if they start one and three, are they going to fire Vince Joseph? Arizona coming through with the notorious, okay, what, what's going on with their organization? Bruce Arians was one of those guys that was able to have a little bit of success. For me, they're out. The Jets, even with the Jeremy Bates tie, with, with their head coach and their GM. What's going to happen if they struggle? Are they going to fire them? Buffalo, with, with a new situation, with a GM that's fresh, and a new offensive coordinator, there's no structure with the organization. He doesn't want to go, go to a place where he's got to go and deal with this dysfunction again. He's just lived it, and it's the number one reason why he left. That's why I go to Minnesota and Jacksonville. Both organizations have incredible foundations. No, there's no issues going on there. No head coaches are going anywhere. No general managers are going anywhere. And I think the second thing is he's tired of having to play Superman quarterback. His defense was bottom 10 in the NFL for the last three years. That's hard as a quarterback when you go, i got to go score 30 points a game every game to go win. He wants to go to a place that's got some good weapons. As a quarterback, you want guys to go throw to. And he wants to go to a place where he doesn't have to go score 30 a game. And he wants organizational structure. I think he'll end up in Minnesota and Jack or Jacksonville. And I think if I had to pick one, it would be Jacksonville. All right, one more for you following up on that, or indirectly following up on that, the Jaguars and Blake Bortles. What happens with Blake Bortles? Obviously, if Cousins comes in, something big happens. But what would you do if you are Jacksonville right now? Would you move on from Blake Bortles? Would you give him a short like, two-year contract? Has he earned that right? What, what do you think of Bortles and his prospects right now? I would absolutely move on from him, especially if I've got Kirk Cousins. But, you know, with Blake... Here's the thing. It's always going to be a roller coaster because of his mechanical situation. You know, the way he throws the ball, it's not natural. There will always be flaws, and it will always be that roller coaster. And we saw it at the greatest example this year. He had, you know, I think a month stretch where everyone was like, wait, Lake Bortles is playing really, really, really well. And then he had stretches where he go head-scratching struggles. And so it will always be that roller coaster ride. If you're the Jaguars and you're looking at your roster and go, wow, we're really good. We've got some good offensive weapons. We've got this running back who's really good now. Good offensive line. Our organization's in place. We've got a really high on defense. We've got a pretty good little window coming up here. 
okay, can we go find a quarterback that's really consistent and really good, and we know what we're going to get from him week in and week out, and he will give us the best chance to win, you jump on that because you don't have that in your building right now. And if you can have the opportunity to go get somebody in your building like that, you take advantage of it 100%, and you move on from Blake Bortles. Dan, it's been a pleasure. We hope to catch up with you again as we move towards the draft. It's your first appearance on OutKick. I certainly hope it's not the last. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks. That's Dan Orlovsky at Dan Orlovsky 7. Let's quickly bring in Eddie Garcia. Find out what happened last night in the world of sports, Eddie. Well, guys, quickly in the NBA, we had our first games following the All-Star break. Warriors outscore the Clippers 134-127, 44 points in the win for Golden State Steph Curry. Wizards and the Cavaliers, their first loss since that big trade at the deadline, 110-103. The final, Thunder over the Kings, 110-107. College basketball, Yahoo Sports reports that federal documents detail potential NCAA violations involving high-profile players, including number one NBA draft pick Markel Fultz and schools like Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Michigan State. The violations of all payments made by a sports agent to players. And guys, it is time for our most thrilling action of the night. Catch and shoot, angle right three. The buzzer, cha-ching! A thunder money ball! Oh, baby! Westbrook, the check. catch and shoot, angle right. Trey wins it! Thunder 110, the Stun Kings in Sacramento 107. WDLS and the... Thunder Radio Network, Russell Westbrook with the buzzer-beating three-pointer to give Oklahoma City the victory in Sacramento. And speaking of most thrilling action on Friday, March 2nd, Bruce Willis stars in Death Wish. After a devastating home invasion, a family man morphs into a badass revenge machine when the system fails him, so he decides to take matters into his own hands. Will you view him as a hero or villain based on how far he'll go to protect his family? Bruce Willis becomes both a force to be reckoned with. Don't miss this action thriller, Death Wish. It's in theaters Friday, March 2nd. Appreciate it, Eddie. We'll be back in the Geico Outkick Studios in just a moment with Animal Thunderdome. There are gator problems in Florida. We'll discuss. Outkick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back inside the Geico Outkick Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Also, when you're hiring, you do not want to waste time sorting through dozens of irrelevant resumes. You want an efficient way to get to a short list of qualified candidates. That's why you need Indeed.com. You can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions based on your job requirements, then zero in on those qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard. Three million businesses use Indeed for hiring. You should, too. Post a job today. Indeed.com slash hire. Search for greatness. Search Indeed. Our thanks to Dan Orlovsky. That was awesome. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Orlovsky 7 yeah, broke down all of the draft quarterbacks, and I'm sure it's just going to get more and more deep as he continues to view tape in the lead-up to the draft. We will definitely have him back on the show. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at DanOrlovsky7. Well, it's the last segment of an hour, so what does that mean? Well, a lot of times it means this. It's Animal Thunderdome. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I have a bullet from strict respect to my face. Sam, you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. Well, Clay Travis, who's back on this program on Monday continually talks about how he could kill an alligator with his bare hands by elbowing it in the nose (laughs) and holding its jaws shut. He continually says this, just as he says he can make the tackle on Stephon Diggs 
and make the Olympic curling team if he had four years because, well, Clay Travis likes to lie a lot. But authorities in Florida proving again why you don't want to mess with an alligator. They pulled an eight and a half foot alligator from underneath a resident's pickup truck in his driveway. There's a video of this. We will tweet it out. Happened on Tuesday. Deputies responded to a home in the Sable Ridge area of Land Lakes, summoned a state alligator trapper to the scene. The caller said there was an alligator hiding under his pickup truck parked in the driveway. The trapper drags this alligator out from underneath the vehicle and captures it. But it was not easy. The alligator was ornery, Jeff. When they got it into the grass, it started thrashing around. They had to control it. It took a few minutes. This situation was very, very ugly. Can you imagine rolling out like, you remember the urban legends, somebody underneath your car that's going to like slice your ankles or something like that that was in the horror film and all that kind of stuff? Imagine rolling into your driveway and there's an eight and a half foot alligator underneath your pickup truck to start your morning. Yeah, I would just leave the house. The alligator's one. You you own the house now, buddy. I, I, I'm glad. I, I live in an area where I don't deal with any wild animals or creatures that would come to my house. We have woodpeckers. They're annoying. That's it. And they don't even bother anybody. I'm glad. I, I don't want to have to wake up and find a snake in my car or a scorpion in my shoe or an alligator beneath my truck. I don't want to do any of that. Scorpions terrify me, by the way. That's just a complete side note. This there's one's a lot weird. Of, I, if you live yeah, in Arizona, if you live in I have friends who live in like in you know in Arizona in the dry climate and Phoenix, and if they keep a sh- like a pair of outside shoes and they go outside in the morning to put their shoes on, they have to check inside to make sure there's no scorpions inside. Yeah, well, this is weird. I grew up in North Carolina and in Winston Salem. I was staying over with a friend when I was in middle school, and a scorpion rolled up on me when I was on the couch in North Carolina. I have no idea how it got there. It still frightens me to this day. This is a weird story in Britain. A visitor to a drive through safari park, this also video of this, was a little bit scared when a group of aggravated lions, a pride of lions, attacked her car. Abby said she and a friend were traveling through West Midlands Safari Park with two children when rangers shut the gates because a pride of lions had wandered too close to the exit. This woman says... The lions were aggravated and climbed on top of her friend's car. They were shaken up. They feared the lions could have broken through a window. A park spokesman needs to shut up. Said the guests were not in danger from the lions, which had become particularly active since male lions were recently mixed in with the group of females. So the lions were not in any danger, or they weren't going to endanger the humans, Jeff, But they were aggravated, and that's how it was described, not just by the witness and not by the person driving the car, but also by the rangers. I don't know about you, but when I hear aggravated lions, I think humans could be in danger. Okay, if if someone drove through my living room in the middle of the day and started pointing and looking at me, I'd be aggravated too. I get why lions are aggravated when you drive a safari, a truck through their land. I don't think you understand this segment, Jeff. It's Animal Thunderdome. It's animals trying to take over the world. You're not supposed to sympathize with Simba. There's no reason to sympathize with the lions in this case. I just think that the ranger saying, oh, no, 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 humans weren't in danger here at all, is utterly ridiculous. We got one more hour on the week. We'll talk some NBA, Cavs lost last night, playoff changes, plus NCAA next on OutKick. Final hour of the week here on OutKick. It's been a lot of fun. Clay Travis back on Monday. I'm his executive producer, Jason Martin, on Twitter at jmartoutkick, joined by eight-year NFL offensive line veteran Jeff Schwartz 
at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz to follow him. We are coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Had Dan Orlovsky last hour breaking down all of the draft quarterbacks, what he thinks of the Nick Foles situation and where Kirk Cousins could land. If you missed that, I highly suggest you subscribe to the Outkick podcast, which you already should have done if you're a prudent member of society. But uh, if you missed that, you would love that conversation. All you NFL honks out there and all you college football fans, we're going to have Brandon Wright coming up here in about 20 minutes to talk about the second half of the NBA season. Adam Silver and these playoff potential changes and uh, just a look towards the playoffs in the NBA. So stick around for that as well. The big story we thought, well, we really didn't know, honestly, like LeBron and the Cavs lost last night. It was a pretty good basketball game. It's just another regular season game. The Cavs are going to be okay. I don't think that there's any room for you know, terrified uh, nature takes today unless you're watching FS1 in about an hour. So we don't necessarily have to cover that too deeply. But the story, and this is such a long, detailed article, that trying to parse it this quickly is relatively impossible. And it's a story that we've talked about on this show many times. And the question Clay always asks, and the one that I think we all would ask, is do you care about this? You're going to have to if you're going to watch the NCAA tournament unless the NCAA doesn't do anything until after the season. But this is from Yahoo Sports. Pete Thamel and Pat Forty put this out about 4.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Documents and bank records obtained in discovery during the federal investigation into the underbelly of college basketball detail in meticulous fashion the expenditures of prominent former NBA agent Andy Miller, his former associate Christian Dawkins, and his agency ASM Sports. They include expense reports and balance sheets that list cash advances, as well as entertainment and travel expenses for high school and college prospects and their families. Yahoo did a major uh, research investigation here to get as many of these documents as they could. And it looks like 20 Division One basketball programs, more than 25 players as part of an underground recruiting operation that could create NCAA amateurism rules issues, including, and we knew this was coming, some of the biggest programs in the sport and some names that you're going to recognize. There's potential impermissible benefits, again, reading from this piece at Yahoo, and preferential treatment for players and families of players at Duke, North Carolina, Texas, Kentucky, Michigan State, USC, Alabama, and a host of other schools. The documents link some of the sport's biggest current stars, Michigan State's Miles Bridges, Alabama's Colin Sexton, and Duke's Wendell Carter, to specific potential extra benefits for either the athletes or their family members. The amounts tied to players in the case range from basic meals to tens of thousands of dollars. Balance sheet documents and photos are included in this article, some of the names, just looking through and kind of skimming, Dennis Smith, who played at NC State in 2016-2017, now with the Dallas Mavericks, $43,500, and a total of 73500 in loans, and includes options about recouping the money once Smith did not sign with ASM, and those options would include taking some money from his you know first salary or whatever like that to get him paid back. Isaiah Whitehead, a freshman at Seton Hall, 26000 ended up receiving a little under 38000 was setting up a payment plan. He signed with ASM, then would leave the agency to go to Rock Nation. Diamond Stone at Maryland, Tim Quarterman at LSU, Bam Adebayo at Kentucky, and a lot of these folks ended up not signing 
and they would end up having to pay the loan back or it would be a bad loan. And then another pretty blockbuster name, Markel Fultz, last year's number one pick in the draft, who played at Washington, received $10,000 according to the document. Yahoo reached out to NC State, to Seton Hall, to Maryland, to Kentucky and Washington. None of them returned correspondence. As a matter of fact, right now, the only school anybody has seen so far that has released a statement is actually Xavier. And they've pretty much come out pretty strongly. Chris Mack says, I have no relationship with Andy Miller or any of his associates. He plays no role in the recruitment of potential student-athletes on Xavier's behalf. Beyond that, our staff has never created a path for him to foster a relationship with any of our student-athletes while enrolled at Xavier. Any suggestion that I or anyone on my staff utilize Andy Miller to provide even the slightest of financial benefits to a Xavier student-athlete is grossly misinformed. We are prepared to cooperate with any and all investigations at any level. Izzo is mentioned in this article. Villanova coaches, unspecified, the quote is Villanova coaches, is mentioned in this article as sitting down with agents over the past few years or during this time frame as well. And then some other big names, Wade Baldwin at Vanderbilt, Malcolm Brogdon at Virginia, Monte Morris at Iowa State. There's a Creighton player involved. There's a Wichita State player involved in Fred Van Vliet. Notre Dame is involved. Kentucky, we mentioned Duke, Alabama, North Carolina. This is all over the place. This is not a surprise. We saw this coming, and long before we saw it coming, we knew that it was happening. I already said the wonderful documentary film, Blue Chips, which came out in 1995. Which <laughs> documentary is, film? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 100% fact. We knew that this was going on. So that brings up the same question that we've asked, and that's just some of them. There's, there's a lot more information. You probably just need to go read this. There have been a lot of names. Kyle Kuzma is mentioned. Kyle Lowry is mentioned. And a lot of other guys. But Jeff, do we care when we know this? If the tournament, if these guys are declared ineligible, like guys like Colin Sexton can't play in this tournament, Wendell can't play from Duke, you know, those kind of guys aren't available now that they're ineligible. If that were to happen in the lead up to the tournament, that's a big deal. If Miles Bridges can't play, that sucks for the NCAA tournament, which is already sort of in a precarious spot because of how unpredictable it's likely to be as the Blue Bloods have sort of reverted to the mean, and we've seen teams like Rhode Island and Auburn stumble their way into rankings, and Auburn at times you know, into the top five. So what does this mean? We're going to have to parse this and break it down for weeks, and there's probably going to be a lot more right. that comes from this. But where, did, where it stands right now, what does it mean to you as somebody that obviously was a college athlete? Yeah, well, I didn't get any, I didn't get any payments from anybody. No, I know uh, you did a, not. a couple of things. Uh, yeah, being a, a, a three-star offensive lineman from California, not not many people uh, paying for my services. Uh, a couple of things here. One, I think it's funny that these are called loans. They're not loans. <laughs> They're not getting the money back from anybody. Yeah. Um, so, look, there's, there's a lot to unpack here. One, this story that broke today does not seem to involve the actual programs. Uh, there, I think there are other stories, and we've seen some coaches get arrested, that will involve the programs. This story itself seems to be an agency paying players to potentially sign with them once they're high draft picks. So the NCAA can deem them ineligible for taking money, which breaks their amateurism rules. And, and we've discussed this a lot, uh, and I have as well. I'm very passionate about this. Is I think that athletes in college, student-athletes, should be able to market themselves. 
And if there's a market for their services, then they should be able to get paid for that. I know people will, will say, and, and, and NCA people will say, well, you know, it's not fair. Not everyone will be able to, to make money. Sure. Well, that's that's life, right? Life is not fair. I, I was an offensive yeah. lineman in Oregon. And look, I would understand if someone wanted to pay Dennis Dixon more money, who was our quarterback, to do a marketing event than Jeff Schwartz. And that's still the way it works, right? Quarterbacks and, it works and that celebrities way in radio, and stars. Jeff. I mean, it works that way in radio. Clay gets, you know, Clay makes a whole lot more money than me. He gets offered to do a whole lot more stuff than I do, even though we work on the same program. That's just how it works. He's a bigger star than I am. Right. So, so, and also, look, I, I, I sort of understand the NCAA saying, well, this could open things up to gambling, which is true. It could. Um, but a lot of these stars that that you're going to get in college to, it's harder to fix games than people think it is. And it's really only in, in in basketball that it can happen. Football, I think it's way too hard to do. And there's been some scandals in college basketball, and I think that's what they're worried about. If you open it up to, to anyone's allowed to get paid for anything, then you have the issue of gambling and trying to fix games and, and those type of issues. Uh, as far as this story itself, look, you have players getting paid by agents, which, like you mentioned, we all assumed is happening I'm not outraged by it. Maybe I should be. Maybe I am jaded by the whole process of 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 agents and getting and you know the NCAA and, and the process and the way it works. Um, I'm not terribly concerned about it. Right? They're not they're not fixing the games. They're not pushing them to go to certain schools. Now that might be something separate that we learn about, which I'm sure happens in the AAU world. Which you know you're. You know, you're funneling money to players to sign at certain schools. I think that does happen, but it's not in this story. Um, and this doesn't bother me very much. If you're, if you're a kid who, who doesn't have money and an agency says, look, we'll give you a 40 grand, um, in a loan, air quote loan. Um, and we just want you to think about signing with us. And half the time that the kids don't even do it anyways. Um, it doesn't really bother me. It doesn't affect Anything else that happens in college basketball except that player's that player's pockets. That's it. Or the, or the family's pockets. Um, I get why people will be upset. They're student athletes. This ruins the 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 amateurism of the game, and, and, and the game's not as pure. Um, I don't think so. So I'm not as concerned about this story. Um, I do think that that when you end up getting in a situation, which I think will eventually come out, where where they're funneling players to schools, that bothers me a little bit more because then you're affecting the the competitive balance of college sports. And obviously, some teams can offer a lot more than other teams can. But look, we've seen it with 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 other players in other sports um you know rumors of guys getting paid right cam noon is a big one rumors of him getting money uh to go playing co- in, in college it happens probably far more often than, than we'd like to admit oh, it yeah. happens that we all you know would like to know about um and it's just, it doesn't really it doesn't bother me man i i look at sports and it, look the steroid issue in baseball that does not it does not bother me either i look at sports as entertainment i want to be entertained um I'm not a big moralist. Look, I'm a moralist in my life, right? How I how I how I raise my kids, how I live my life. I'm worried about that itself. I'm not worried about anyone else's morals. I don't care about that. I, you know, people say to me, "Well, how how do you feel about if someone in football were to use steroids or use PEDs and they were to beat you on a play or they were to 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 beat you out?" So what? Like, I, I think I'm better than anyone else. I'm going to work hard. I can live with my life. They have to live with knowing that they cheated their system, their way. They have to live with that. I don't have to live with that. So um, it's never bothered me. I want to watch good sports. I want to be entertained. If a dude's taking PEDs, if a guy's taking money, so what? 
I think the other thing for college basketball, and if you look at a lot of these names, a lot of them obviously highly touted freshmen, the one-and-done rule's got to go. The one-and-done rule needs to be gone. If you're good enough in high school for an NBA team to want your services, if you want to put yourself out there and get there with a chance of potentially failing, not going to college, not having the extra tutelage, the extra coaching, you should absolutely have the right to do that. Golfers can do it. Tennis players can do it. All It seems like every sport is able to do that, or a lot of these individual sports are. If you are good enough to play in the NBA, I know there were a lot of failures in the NBA of people that came out straight from high school. There were also a whole lot of success stories. And that's kind of going to be the way it is coming out of college, too. I mean, Markel Fultz played in college. Who knows whether or not he's ever going to get his shot fixed. He's got the yips in the NBA. They can't even put him on the floor in Philadelphia right now. And that's a team that, that thought that they were getting a stud at number one, and it hasn't turned out to be that way. The NCAA has actually come out with a statement about 20 minutes ago, Mark Emmert, this is a direct quote from NCAA's oh, website. This will be enlightening. These, yeah, this is something. These allegations, if true, point to systematic failures that must be fixed and fixed now if we want college sports in America. Simply put, people who engage in this kind of behavior have no place in college sports. They are an affront to all those who play by the rules. Following the Southern District of New York's indictments last year, the NCAA Board of Governors and I formed the Independent Commission on College Basketball, chaired by Condoleezza Rice, to provide recommendations on how to clean up the sport. With these latest allegations, it's clear this work is more important now than ever. The board and I are completely committed to making transformational changes to the game and ensuring all involved in college basketball do so with integrity. We also will continue to cooperate with the efforts of federal prosecutors to identify and punish the unscrupulous parties seeking to exploit the system through criminal acts, unquote. That's the official NCAA statement on the Yahoo Sports story that broke this morning uh, that was researched and investigated by Pete Thamel and Pat Forty. We will continue to discuss this story, and we're going to have Brandon Wright on the other side as well. If you have thoughts, 877-99-ON-FOX. That's 877-996-6369. Do you agree? And I thought Jeff stated it very well, and I agree with basically everything he said. Does this matter to you? Do you care? What should be done? What can be done about this? And do you agree with me that the one and done's got to be gone? That if you want to go to the NBA and you're good enough to do it out of high school, Clay has used the term immoral. And on this, although we disagree on a lot, we 100% agree on this. It is immoral. If you're good enough to go to the NBA and you want to take that risk, by all means, you should be allowed in this society and in this economy to do that. That's where we live. So your thoughts, 877-996-6369 plus Brandon right next. It's Outkick the Coverage with J. Martin Jeff on a Friday here on Fox Sports Radio. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Also, now is a fantastic time to buy a new Honda. Visit shophonda.com or visit your local Honda dealer today. NBA second half started last night. I say second half, but teams have played like 58 of 82 games, so half is a bit of a misnomer. But we bring in one of the newest members of the Houston Rockets, Brandon Wright. The Rockets in action tonight. Pretty solid game against a good Timberwolves club. Brandon, that ought to be a that ought to be quite the game tonight in Houston. Yeah, it'll be a great one for us. To, you know, both teams to open up with to start the second half off. Um, you know, now it's just an arms race to see who can get in the best position for seeding. And, uh, I mean, like you said, these we're well past halfway, and these games are going to go fast. Before you know it, it'll be mid-April if you play out time. So 
with the changes and starting the season earlier and trying to get rid of these back-to-backs, there's been some speculation over the last few weeks in particular. I've read a, a number of different articles from basketball experts talking about the injury increase this season. From last year, it's up around 50%, somewhere between 42 and 50%, and a lot of the injuries to key guys, Hayward, Poor Zingas. We've seen Paul George knocked out. We've seen DeMarcus Cousins hurt. We see John Wall is injured. All of these guys. Do you think that the way the schedule is playing out and the fact that usually the All-Star break comes halfway through the season, you haven't played as many games, guys have played more minutes a little bit faster this year even though they haven't been playing in back-to-backs, do you think that that has caused any problems or what is the reasoning, if you can come up with one, as to why we've seen so many more injuries this year? I mean, you know, for the most part, we just play a lot of games. I mean, the games start to add up. I mean, you, you know, the first couple of months of the season, you feel pretty good. And then, you know, your body hits this level of, you know, you only can get recovered to so, you know, such a, such, to a certain point, you know, and then you get tired. And, you know, I can't tell the difference until <laughs> we started the season, a, you know, a week, 10 days earlier. Um, you know, they took out the, the four and fives, but, you know, I still feel the same. <laughs> I don't think uh, it's made a huge difference. I mean, I think they'll continue to uh, tweak the schedule and, see, you know, see how they can preserve guys. But, you know, we all still feel the same way as, as if we were playing four or five. Uh, do you think 82 – wait a second, of, let, me ask, of, let me ask one more, Jeff, just real quick uh, before we get out of that. Do you think 82 games is too much? Uh, Brandon, would you like to see a shorter NBA regular season? Like I, That's something I've always thought about. It might make some of these games a little bit more impactful and certainly protect you guys' bodies and, and lead to healthier teams in the playoffs. Would it be better to knock out 20 of these games, or is 82 the right number? Uh, I mean, I, I think probably 82 is a little too much. But uh, at the same time, you have to – you know, you got these big TV contracts. You got all this money. You lose and you cut these games out. And I agree with you 100%. If you – if you take out 20 games and then the season gets real interesting, you know, um, an 8-9 losing game losing streak will, you know, can cost you your season. And, you know, I kind of like the, the, the NCAA feel where, you know, come, almost every game counts. You can't really, you know, lose 10 out of 12 and expect to go to the tournament. But, you know, as far as, you know, the TV contracts and, you know, teams losing a lot of money, you know, that's just not going to happen. They won't allow it to, to, to come to that. Adam Silver made news over All-Star Weekend talking about this, the NBA playoff schedule and possibly reseeding 1 through 16. Uh, I'm not a terribly big fan of that. I think the, the current system is, is fine. The NBA is super popular. Uh, I would not change it as a player. Do you think that, that the NBA playoffs need to be seeded 1 through 16 instead of the East and the West? Uh, I mean, I like the East and the West format. I think the only time a player complains is, you know, is when you – you know, you're in one conference and you win 46 games and you miss the playoffs and a team in the other conference wins 41 games and they make the playoffs or they have two or three teams that won less games than you and they, they make the playoffs. I think that's the only time people, you know, really get upset about it. You know, a lot of, you know, fans, media, um, even some of the players want to see just the, the best 16 teams in the, in the playoffs and then they just see you from there. But, you know, you you can get real. It can we get real crazy with the logistics of travel. You know, especially if you have, you know, Miami playing Portland in the first round. You know, how, how does that work out? You know, how do you how do you do the uh, the travel? Do you change the format a little bit, or do you stick with the, the you know with the two two one one one? 
I'm a former NFL player. We don't have a lot of midseason trades. In the NBA, obviously, there was a lot this offseason. You got traded. The Cavs re- rebuilt their whole roster. How tough is it to get the chemistry going on an NBA team when you make a lot of trades in the middle of the season? Yeah, it can be pretty tough. Um, you know, you just got to got to get in there and get going. I mean, like I said, we don't have many games left. You know, we have six weeks left in the regular season, and then, you know, it's over. Um so you got to get acclimated as much as you can. Um, you know, the best thing you can do is, I mean, practice is great, but you have to play in the games. You know, you have to get out there and um, get chemistry with your guys and, and try to get the, get on the same page. And you want to be playing your best ball when it comes down to April. Brandon Wright, our guest, newest uh, member of the Houston Rockets, James Harden, at least right now, looks to be the MVP candidate. There are some other guys that are certainly playing great in the league. LeBron, Steph Curry, and Giannis, and Kevin Durant. There's there's a long list, but I, I want to ask some questions that are a little bit different in that Charles Barkley always talks about how Michael Jordan's the best player, but that Kevin McHale was the toughest player that he ever played against. Who are the guys in the league that just frustrate you to no end? Maybe especially if they're guys that aren't necessarily household star names, just guys that something about their game just bothers you when you have to cover them. Who is it that it's just super difficult to play against in the NBA right now? Uh, right now, I would not say it's, it's as many guys like that, but you know, to be quite honest, you know, I got drafted in 2007, and you know, that was kind of a time where it was the end of an era uh, as far as like the way teams were playing. A lot of teams had a lot of a lot of big guys, and they were playing, um, you know, still trying to play into the, the low 90s, mid 90s. Um, so. When I came in the NBA around that time, it was, it was still those guys, and those guys were the, probably the toughest ones because they still really hadn't changed the rules. You know, they were still letting teams and guys be really, really, uh, you know, it was kind of a, a bloodbath out there. But, you know, as as the, the decade turned, um, you know, it became more up-tempo. They kind of changed the rules on the, on the perimeter as far as, you know, putting your hands on guys. They, the physicality in the paint kind of went down and um, – you know, they started calling more fouls, and then the game got more wide open. As you see these days, you know, teams putting up a lot of points each and every night. Um, we're going to ask you about the NCAA here a little bit because the story has come out, and get your thoughts on that as as somebody that obviously played in that and played in that organization and and knows some of the things that are going on there. But you've you've joined the Rockets. Obviously, you're new there. How do you feel like your role is going to enhance what they're doing? Obviously, you and some of the other moves that they've made here over the last week have added depth, and that's what you need, at least I feel like, to beat the Warriors. Everybody in the league's got a guy or two that are pretty solid basketball players. Even some of the worst teams in the league have some solid talent. It's depth. It's guys like that that they don't have. What is it that your addition and some of what Houston has right now would be something that would be threatening to Golden State more so than just what you would expect from Harden and Chris Paul and guys like that? Uh, I think the biggest thing by adding me was just the style of play. Um, you know, it felt like we needed another guy that can, you know, do the things that, that, that you know, uh, coach wants to do, you know, get to the rim, you know, catch lobs, um, you know, be versatile on defense. Uh, when you play the Warriors, you got to have guys that can switch off in the perimeter on, on Steph, Clay, and KD, and, and be able to contest those threes. Um, you got to have guys that are really, really multiple. So, I mean, you know, if it was, if it did come down to us and them in the West Finals, um, you know, you got to have all hands on deck. And I think, you know, we really have a good, a good roster and a lot of versatile players that can 
can match up with them. And, you know, we definitely, um, I feel like we had the best depth in the league. So turning to the NCAA and this investigation by the NCAA and the FBI, some some more details came out today of agency, one agency in, in particular paying players, whether it's through loans, which we know are not really loans, whether it's paying the, the families. And this doesn't really revolve around the, the actual programs. It's just an agency paying these players. Jason and I don't really care. I don't know if we should. How do you feel about agencies paying college basketball players to possibly sign with them moving forward? Uh, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't had. A ch- I seen the articles on Twitter. I hadn't had a chance to uh, actually dig into it and read it yet. But I mean, you know, I, I don't really care to be honest. Um, you know, um, the biggest thing is, and what happens is, you know, when uh, when an agency pays a player, and the player decides, you know, ah, I want to go back to school, or I'm going to go with this different guy, and then agents, agents, they get upset about that. And then they want to, you know, they want to get the money back, or they're gonna try to find a way to get paid back, and you know, feelings get hurt, and you know, maybe, you know, this agency tells this, you know, someone that you know we gave them some money, but they didn't come over here. So, I mean, it's it's it's, it's gonna be a crazy witch hunt by the NCAA. I think, you know, everyone is pretty much doing it. Um, you know, you got some people who are doing things the right way. You got a lot of agencies that are doing things the right way, but. You know, it's it's going to be hard for the NCAA to crack down on every single agent and player that's accepting money. Don't you feel so like Jason it's and I pretty also obvious the that that Go ahead, NCAA Jeff. players should get paid? Like, I think if you can, you should be able to market your your talents. If if I went to Oregon, I, if someone wants to pay me to go do a, a, an autograph signing, we should be able to do that. Do you think the NCAA needs to change their rules to allow athletes while they're playing to get marketing deals? I think they should. They can uh, get some things done. I, you know, I don't think that uh, there'll ever become a time where they'll just be paying guys salaries. But um, you know, I think these athletic departments make so much money from you know these TV contracts, revenue, um, you know, ticket sales, and all these type of things. Where it'll come to a point where guys can get a little something. You know, you know, a lot of a lot of college athletes don't have a lot. You know, they're just living meal by meal. You know, scholarship check by check. Um, no, it'll 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 come a time, but you know, maybe when we're all all three of us are gone, you know, they'll they'll start finally start paying guys. That'll be, be way down the line. <laughs> Don't you also believe, and this is something that this show has been pretty uniform in, that it's almost immoral not to let guys come straight out of high school and go to the NBA if, in fact, they feel like they're good enough and they're willing to take the risk not to go get the extra teaching under a Roy Williams or a Coach K or a Tom Izzo or a Bill Self or whoever it is. If they want to go to the NBA, when you came into the league back in 2007, obviously you came from Chapel Hill, but there were a lot of guys when you entered the league that were guys that had not played in high school and as many failures as we have seen, guys that it just didn't work out like a Darius Miles or somebody like that, there have been so many where it has worked. And when you look at golf and when you look at tennis and all of these sports where age is not a restriction it seems like that would pretty much cut down on a lot of this ncaa issue and at the same time would give these guys a chance to make money as fast as they could the injury situation scares you to death guys that never have a chance to make the money because they get injured because they're forced to play in college is that something you would like to see is that something that in the nba most of the players would like to see guys be able to come out of high school again yeah, I, I say, you know, get those guys opportunity to, to come straight from high school and go to the NBA or go to whatever league they choose to go to. You know, a lot of guys, um, 
you know, they want to maximize their window of opportunity and and go ahead and start making money for their professional career. You know, you can't shouldn't be able to hold people back from doing that. And you know, like you said, in these other sports like tennis and golf, you know, they they do it. Um, so now I would love for the, for the NBA PA and the NBA to come to an agreement where they can start letting guys come back out of high school because you know it'll it'll clean up a lot of that the gray area and, and a lot of the, the behind-the-back stuff going on because at the end of the day, it all comes down to money. You know, guys just want to, you know, start supporting their families and start, you know, building their own bank account. So I think that'll be the best thing down the line. Brent Wright, the Houston Rockets, our guest. We can't let you out without asking you this question, probably the most important question to ask about the NBA today, and that is what were your peers' thoughts on Fergie's national anthem at the All-Star game on Sunday night? Oh man, I mean, it was pretty much the same reaction as as pretty much all of America. Uh, you know, I was a little shocked to be honest. <laughs> you know, they you see the camera, they had it on the guys, and the guys were, you know, they were trying their best to be respectful, but they couldn't really hold it in. I mean, even the people in the crowd, you know, it, it was a tough one. But uh, you know, hopefully she gets another chance to redeem herself. You know, I, I'm all about redemption, so I, I like to see her do another anthem on a big stage and 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 do a great job. And also, the All-Star Weekend was a pretty big success. I wasn't terribly impressed with the dunk contest or even the three-point shootout. There were a lot of bricks that night. But the game and the format change where you had Team LeBron and Team Steph seemed to work. Do you think that's a long-term fix? And did you get the sense that all the players were much more invested in what was happening because of that than they have been in years past? You know, I think it was cool. You know, I think uh, they'll end up televising the draft next year and making it fun and, you know, making it – you know, um, where the fans can see. But, you know, going down the line, they'll continue to tweak NBA All-Star Weekend. Um, you know, it's never going to be perfect. You know, um, the fans are always going to get a little bored with the what's going on at the time. So the NBA will try their best to continue to add things and take things away just to keep it fresh and keep, you know, keep the eyes poking out and just, um, you know, keep keep uh, keep the people entertained. I mean, that's what it's all about that weekend. You just want to have everyone entertained and happy. Brendan, it's always a pleasure. Uh, good luck tonight against Minnesota. That's going to be a really solid basketball game. Good luck for the rest of the season. We'll catch up with you next week. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs> we might need to hit that again in the final segment. I don't think Jeff heard that. I don't, I'm not sure that we played that. I think we played that Tuesday when Link was in, the remix of Fergie's National Anthem. We will hit that. If you missed it earlier this week, you'll definitely want to stay tuned as well. But right now, let's talk to Eddie Garcia out in Los Angeles. Let's find out what happened in the world of sports. Eddie, take it away. Well, in the NBA last night, of course, we had our first games following the All-Star break. And some of the games of note, the Warriors outscored the Clippers 134-127. Steph Curry, 44 points in the win for Golden State. They're 45-14 and on the year. Percentage points behind Houston for the top record in the league. Wizards go to Cleveland, beat the Cavaliers 110-103. to That's the Cavs' first loss since their big trade at the deadline. Washington's now 8-2 since star guard John Wall was sidelined with an injury. Thunder got a Russell Westbrook three-pointer at the buzzer to edge the Kings 110-107. The 76ers beat the Bulls 116-115. College basketball, Yahoo Sports reports that federal documents detail potential NCAA violations including uh, are involving high-profile players including number one NBA draft pick Markel Fultz and schools like Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Michigan State. The violations involve payments made by a sports agency to players. This 
Support's brought to you by True Car Online Car Shopping. It can be confusing, but not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And guys in golf, Tiger Woods shot an even round 70 at the first round of the Honda Classic. He's four shots off the lead, tied for 21st place. Alex Norton and Webb Simpson are your co-leaders. Thank you, Eddie. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Yet, Tiger shot a 70 yesterday, had a double bogey. I think it was on three and bogeyed 16. It was clean other than that. It is so weird. I saw somebody tweet this out, and it's a very smart statement. It is so weird to watch Tiger Woods just be a golfer. Like and even be sort of satisfied of with just being a golfer. Like, I'm not saying like a golfer and a philanderer. That's not my point. I'm saying he's no longer a superstar golfer. He's a dude that's out there that's competing with everybody else. People have caught him and passed him. He shoots a 70. It's like, hey, Tiger shot a 70. Not bad. He's in 21st place. It's so odd because I watched all of Tiger's career. He was my favorite professional athlete for such a long period of time. That to watch him just kind of be average is so strange to me. Just to watch him have the same kind of trouble that everybody else did because for so long he had none of those troubles. I know, and I couldn't be happier that he's playing well because I think golf needs Tiger Woods back. They've never had anyone like him. You know, that they keep trying to get the next Tiger Woods, just like every other sport, right? The next LeBron James, the next Michael Jordan, the next Tom Brady. Uh, they're trying to find the next Tiger Woods. It hasn't happened yet. And as a fan of Tiger growing up as a kid, watching all the events, uh, the buildup to, to the majors, watching him in his, in his red shirt, his red polo on Sundays, trying to win these, trying, you know, trying to win these tournaments. I loved it as a kid and to have him back in golf now, while he's not the same player he was, is gotta be exciting for a lot of golf fans our age and for the sport itself. The sport needs Tiger Woods, uh, to be good again. And I hope he continues, uh, to battle back. Uh, look, he, you know, the, what he went through uh, is, is going to be tough for any athlete. Um, you know, his off the the course life caught up to him uh, to, his, to his on the course life. Uh, he's been through a lot of surgeries as well, and as a guy who who's often hurt, I understand that process of getting back from that. And look, he's one weird tweak away again from hurting his back. Yep. As a guy who's had back issues, I understand that. So I'm going to enjoy watching him golf. I hope he can win some more majors, and it's better for the sport of golf. A tiger is somewhat back. He's not the same guy used to be but just average tiger will make the sport better yeah i mean just playing back-to-back tournaments makes me want to watch golf so much more i love watching golf tournaments but tiger just changes the game for me even now so i couldn't agree more final segment remix of the fergie anthem one more time the perfect way to end the week on outkick final segment of the week appreciate you guys sticking with me this week Appreciate Lincoln Kennedy Monday and Tuesday. Good to have Lincoln, the Outkick Octagon, for the first time. And, of course, my guy Jeff Schwartz over the last three days. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff, G-E-O-F-F, Schwartz. You can follow Link at LKennedy72 if you got time. And you probably don't. You can follow me at Jmart Outkick. We are trying to parse a big story about this, the whole NCAA deal that's come out, Yahoo Sports, and now we've seen the NCAA has responded, and now pretty much all the sports media has stopped to try and figure this whole thing out, and it's going to take some time to get through it. But we do have one phone call before we get to the awesome Fergie remix, which if you missed it on Tuesday, it's going to be a perfect way to send you into your weekend. But let's talk to Joe in Syracuse quickly as he has a thought on the NCAA. Joe, how are you? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Look, um, 
<laughs> First of all, it's it's an archaic thought with the NCAA not paying athletes. Um, the idea, the amounts of money that they make, you know, in in representation of the athletes coming to their school is just astronomical. The other idea, and I and I haven't heard anyone actually have this take on the idea of the athletes going one and done. I think that's done too. I think you should be allowed. The athletes should be allowed to go in and, and cash in on their talents if they mm-hmm. if they believe that they're that good. But what about the reverse idea of that? And I think a lot of that is missing. Why can't the athletes go back to college if they don't? Say they go in and they, they, they you know, crash and burn. They still have eligibility left. Why right, not allow everyone... the athletes to go back to college? Because then everyone would just go pro out of high school. Like you would yeah, never, because you, you would just do it because there'd be no risk. You'd never recruit, and you'd never be able to recruit anybody because everyone would just say, "I'm going, to, I'm going to the NBA." And then, how do you recruit anybody? How do they choose a college? It, it just it makes it a mess of the whole of the whole system. So you yeah, can either decide it's a risk you got to take. You either go to the NBA or you go to college for. I, I think it should be like baseball. If you go to college, you, you go for three years. If not. You go to NBA and you go to Europe or you play in Lithuania. I mean, you, you play wherever else, but you make that choice as part of the risk of deciding to go pro. Agreed. Completely agreed, as a matter of fact. Thanks for all your contributions this week, uh, calling us in and, and being a part of the program. This is my favorite contribution of the week. Fergie's anthem on Sunday. We've talked about it off and on all week. We talked about it hardcore on the first two days of this week. The remix that Danny G found is such a wonderful thing. You're going to love this to send you into your weekend. Danny, just fire this yeah. thing off, and you'll hear us laughing in the background and comment on it <laughs> if you need to first. Yeah, this is DJ Suede. Yeah, it is. Here we go. The Star Spangled Banner, Fergie. my only I think the only better audio I've heard in months is Mike Leach trying to discuss marriage that was which we also play to play that too Um, yeah if we had time we would but how great is that Jeff (laughs) it this is a it's just something like a real childhood thing like listening to hearing the Lakers PA guy announcer that's brought back like childhood memories of Laker games that's just a really random thing to hear that at the very beginning. It's it's it, I was cringing the entire time. That's bad. I, I uh, it's like yeah, I don't know what was she trying to do? What was she trying to do? Like, it, She's she trying to sing, do a right? is, is, is all is her entire career been produced? Uh Danny? 
got like a half minute. No, she That's has. An inter- she she can sing. She does have some talent. She was just trying to do like this sexy rendition of the national anthem, and it. <laughs> when Charles Barkley said it best, <laughs> fell flat. I needed a cigarette after listening to that rendition of the national anthem. That's how Barkley said it immediately afterwards because, of course, he did. He's the best. He's the absolute best. Jeff, it's always a pleasure. We will catch up with you Wednesday in your regular slot. Clay is back on Monday. Grab your popcorn. He'll have a lot to say. Have a great weekend. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.